You are listening to the One of Us.net Podcast Network. One of Us.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to One of Us.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Do you love sci-fi, horror, and fantasy films? Then grab a badge for Otherworlds Film Festival, the country's premier sci-fi film festival. There will be Q&As, panels, parties, and mixers. Rub elbows with up-and-coming and established filmmakers, as well as like-minded filmgoers. Come celebrate our seventh year, December 3rd through 6th, at the Galaxy Highland in Austin, Texas. Badges are now for sale at otherworldsfilmfest.com. That's otherworldsfilmfest.com. Writer-director Alex Garland is back, but to television, with a little bit of an unexpected turn from the guy who made two really notable uh, hit films that are sort of love-it-or-hate-it, high-concept sci-fi f- films, Ex Machina and Annihilation. Interestingly, I had totally forgotten that he got his start way back in the book The Beach, which he wrote when he was 26 years old, was a oh, wow. massive hit, turned into a hit movie, and it killed him like all the attention and all the love he went into seclusion and did nothing for several years because it freaked him out so bad uh which makes a lot of sense when you consider how completely secluded a lot of his characters are in these movies the general sense of quiet and isolation that runs through a lot of his creations uh, he also wrote 28 days later and sunshine but we're talking about his is it eight episodes it's eight episodes, eight episodes right episodes, yep uh, television series for Hulu, which is connected to FX devs. I am Chris, and joining me is Nathan. Hey. And Alexander. Howdy. And Paloma. Hey. This show has gotten a lot of attention. Obviously, people are like, wow, this is a big-name director making an intentional choice when he clearly doesn't have to, at this point in his career, to go to television, which is happening more and more frequently these days because TV not only has become super high-profile and super welcoming of more artistic visions, but for a lot of creators, it's a chance to tell a type of story they can't do in just two hours, which is what Garland exactly has said. It's like, yeah, some people are like, well, why didn't you do it as a movie? He's like, because I couldn't have told the story as a movie. I'm not sure I agree. <laughs> uh, I, I don't agree either. I also, I heard he just got so soured from Annihilation because of the whole release thing, it getting dropped onto Netflix everywhere but the US. And it really, you say hit film, it's a hit film for people like us who just love this heady sci-fi shit. Most people in Annihilation really isn't a big name, like even a rival. It's too bad too, because it was amazing in the big screen, seeing it in, a, in, a big, in the theater. Agreed. Uh, and this is another attempt to do really cerebral sci-fi. He's one of those guys who does sci-fi and he's really into these high concept things. But for a lot of us who do do like love a lot of this stuff, I mean, it's good. It's not quite as intellectual as I think he thinks it is. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd agree with that. He managed to strike that balance really well in Ex, Ex Machina. Annihilation on, like they're still really good, but he really isn't as smart as he thinks he is with that concept. Not to say that it doesn't tackle huge, great concept. Devs is, was considered as sort of a companion piece to Ex Machina, which makes more sense when you get towards the end of the show. And we'll get a little bit into more spoiler discussion a little bit further into the review. But the basic setup for those who have no idea what's going on. So Nick Offerman is Forrest. He's the CEO of this company called Amaya. There's this very advanced 
very rich tech company that has this huge statue of a little girl. I mean, huge, like tower of a little girl that towers above the California trees. Yeah, exactly. A frightening statue. But he has this whole campus that he runs with multiple different types of tech that they're developing. Uh, We meet two of the characters there. Our main character is really Sonoya Mizuno, who plays Lily Chan. She's a computer engineer there. Her boyfriend, Sergei, is ex-Russian, played by Carl Glusman. Uh, he, when we meet him, he's working for them as well in sort of like a uh, another AI sort of like conceptual department when he's basically called in to say, you're getting promoted, bud. You're going to devs. And we don't know as viewers what devs is. We just assume, wow, this is like, okay, so this is a big deal for him. He's shocked. Everyone around him is shocked. We see the pathway to devs. First off, first warning, if the path to your super secret boss's like development area is like through the woods with weird lighted trees and and basically is in a Stanley Kubrick's wet dream of a of a set. <laughs> Your boss might be, you know, Goldfinger is all I'm saying. They give enough of an explanation for us to get some idea that it has something to do with quantum computing and uh, with probabilities, but they don't really lay it all out for us at first as the audience of what exactly devs is. We see him looking at the computer screen. He said, look, read all this stuff. Take as much time as you need to to get familiar with what Devs is. And we see he's like, whoa. And then we see he's actually spying for someone. He's taking pictures and video uh, surreptitiously. On his way home, they basically stop him and say, uh, we know what you were doing. And they kill him. Flash to later, his girlfriend's like, where has he been? What's going on? They're like, oh, we don't know. And he, they're like, look what happened. He wandered onto campus. He set himself on fire, which isn't suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah, no, not suspicious. <laughs> so he committed suicide in a rather spectacular way. Much more spectacular than you feel like they would have needed to go to the trouble for. No, I, I would think find him dead in the car or something like that. It's elaborate, but everything is a little overly elaborate in some ways here. More elaborate than it needs to be. She's really suspicious. She has to deal with Zach Grenier. Uh, it's Kenton, head of security at Amaya, who we see is really kind of the the guy who does all the dirty work here for the company uh, because Nick Offerman's character Forrest and his sort of number two, Allison Pill, the chief designer, plays Katie, the second fragile scientist character she's been playing on television this year, <laughs> counting Picard. Oh, yes. And so that's what, uh, Dr. Agnes Gerardi and, and Star Trek Picard. Exactly. Everybody is kind of like, ah, this won't be a problem on the dev side. Uh, Lily's like, "Uh, this is going to be a problem. And she starts calling in old people from her life to try and help her. Things start to develop. Not everything is how it seems. And over the space of eight very piecemeal, little bit at a time episodes, we finally get to see what the actual solution is and what devs is and what role Lily has to play in all of this, which is bigger than you might imagine it would be given the first couple episodes. This is one of those shows that's not quite what as as smart as it thinks it is, but at, for some people, it's going to be just fl- plain confusing. I don't even understand what that was about. I've already heard several people saying I have no idea what the show is about. I've gotten several episodes in. I'm like, I get what it's about. It's whole thing about free will and determinism and all that for a guy who is an outspoken atheist like Alec- Alex Garland to be exploring this stuff, I found kind of weird. This is not the show I would recommend for anybody who finds the first season of Westworld too complicated to get into. I really enjoy this show. Uh, I would not recommend it for everybody. It's definitely not for everyone. It's also kind of the uh, ASMR of television shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those 2001 A Space Odyssey monolith sounds I absolutely love. The pacing, I think, again, not in a, not in a negative way, but the pacing is very much like 2001 A Space Odyssey of it, where it's this very slow, deliberate, almost meditative of, of a pace. So if you have a hard time with slow content, 
I also recommend it for you, but if you kind of can like to go deep into things, I think it is kind of meditative and kind of think critically about the piece and understand it a little bit better. It wa- wants to discuss a lot of big ideas, but it's doing it through the filter of this imaginary situa- software situation, which I think right there, to some degree, made it feel like, okay, well, this is kind of philosophically twiddling your thumbs, but it's still interesting. I think this series does a lot of pulling people away from it with the fact that almost everyone plays their role kind of like this the whole time. Oh, yeah. Everyone is really just kind of talking and acting like this. Even Nick Offerman, who that's kind of his comedic style, is talking in a very straightforward sort of way. But doing it when he's doing drama was weird. (laughs) What what do you mean by that? As he stares at trees for a long period of time and then somebody responds. I had a hard time finding Forrest or Katie ominous or scary or something that I was nervous about because they all seemed like so banal in some point. I'm like, I don't know if I should be scared of you because you don't seem to, you seem very apathetic about things. Just like things happen. Thank you, Paloma. If that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true that everybody, there's a lot of people going, this is important. It's important. This person is important. And and just not getting to the damn point and people need, seeming so goddamn nonplussed about everything that's happening to them constantly. Uh, that's by far the biggest failing of this show, especially with the main character of Lily. I mean, Alex Garland says in a lot of interviews that he wanted a character that feels very emotionless, but she has emotions. She just really doesn't convey them out like a normal human being. Yeah, and it would make sense if, like, the the ultimate fate of Lily had in some way connected to that. There's a lot of, like I said, Lily especially, they keep telling you, oh, she's important. But the plot mainly focuses on what's going on with her love life. Uh, I'm like, who cares? I felt that the best moments of, like, humanity or things that provided soul to it were any conversation between Stuart and Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Lyndon was one of my favorite characters, actually. Yeah, uh, Lyndon, who is played by Kaylee Spaney, uh, playing a, a female a- a- actress playing a male roles she was in bad times the el royale on the basis of sex vice oh, uh, she's really? gonna be in the yeah she's in the upcoming the craft remake as well she was in Pacific but Rim uprising she was indeed <laughs> but a really interesting part but even so both those characters are kind of like they're like a greek chorus commenting on everything else that's happening more than they themselves have anything important to do in the story in fact Lyndon's character is written out of the story in a way that only serves to Overemphasize a story element that already had been established. Uh, what I thought it was interesting was about Lyndon and, um, and Stuart, were that they were the only ones who I th- think who showed any kind of real emotions or feelings, and they're the ones who seemed to be the least insane, at least in the devs group. So I think their conversations seem kind of very genuine, very real, in my opinion. Now, the one thing I've got to say for sure, well, first off, let me just finish by saying Nick Offerman's character is similar to Oscar Isaac's character in Ex Machina. My second favorite, Nathan. Beyond myself. <laughs> Fair. But I do want to say, if you say anything else you want about the show, and I have very mixed feelings about a lot of the show, but I do not have mixed feelings about how incredibly gorgeous it's shot, how great the set design is. The set design's mesmerizing, and how great the score oh, is. Oh, yeah. We- oh, the score's amazing. Yeah, the, all the score and the sound design, it's creepy, it's engaging, it's it's awesome. Well, that's, that's really in credit to Alex Garland getting his cinematographer, Rob Hardy, who did uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, and then also Ex Machina and Annihilation. It just has such a gorgeous 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 style it like you said it's like a kubrick wet dream all throughout it yeah you're, well my only thought really was just 
God, FX, I know you've been releasing a lot of your shit on DVD now. I want this on Blu-ray. I may not even love this show, but I want to watch it again just to sink into the mood that the cinematography and sound design puts me in. I was going to say, and I also think that the, I mean, I don't want to say too much about the design of devs, but I think the concept was, I thought it was really interesting and made me really, like, think of, like, of what it would be like to kind of engage with a machine like that. So I think that the concept itself, I think, is very fascinating. Agreed. Well, before we get into spoilers, let's go ahead and do our final thoughts. Paloma, keep going. I did have some complaints, as we, we all mentioned. I think that everybody seemed not the same, but everybody seemed the same, at least tone and and I think that the pacing, I mean, I like the meditative pacing, but sometimes it really kind of disengaged with it a little bit. Um, I think there were some really amazing acting moments and storylines that I thought were so complex and interesting. And there was some, like, I definitely have some, like, favorite episodes in there, which makes, which is a good thing, which means I care about this show. I would probably, I wouldn't say it's, like, my, be one of my favorites, but I really did enjoy it. I thought it was fun, um, in some ways. I think I would probably give this 8 out of 10 mistakes in the Matrix. Glitches in the Matrix. Glitches in the Matrix, yeah. <laughs> was it the same cat, Paloma, or was it a different cat? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paloma, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Alexander. Uh, I th- I thoroughly enjoyed this show. As someone who has a sweet tooth for meditative psychedelic sci-fi, but at times it did lose me with its repetitive informing you how important it was. I would I would give it eight and a half out of ten qubits. What about you, Nate? I really I think if you've liked any of Alex Garland's previous works, this is just as valid. Like it I vastly enjoyed the entire ride of the show, despite it feeling like it could have easily been four or six episodes or even like you said earlier, a movie. I thought the visual style and the cinematography was amazing. I thought the writing was really good at times. My biggest issue is that the acting is such a mixed bag. And I don't think it's really the fault of the actors. Like Sayona Mizono as Lily, she is just so flat as a protagonist, and that really brings down the whole series. And I've seen her be great in stuff like Maniac or even Ex Machina, despite not saying much in Ex Machina. As a whole, I think I'd give it 8 out of 10 Sudoku apps. Well, you guys liked this more than I did, clearly. I definitely at points liked it just as much as you did, where I was like, wow, this is so beautiful and so impressive. And at other points, I was like, wow, this is so incredibly up its own ass. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely could have done this in four episodes. And I agree, this is more than can be done competently in a film. But four episodes would have nailed it. Eight is just really just staring at your navel for a really long time. There's I agree with huge that. sequences of this that just, there's no reason for them to be part of the story. There's a whole thing with the people that Sergei was, Sergei, her ex-boyfriend who died in the first episode was working for that. You could have cut all that out. We're like, we get it. He was spying for a rival company. All of that is really kind of irrelevant. Otherwise, you know, all that does is try and set it up later. So there's a little bit more, a, a couple more, more action scenes than there would have been, but they're, like I said, extraneous. There's, It's not really what the show's about, and it feels kind of distracting. There's a weird reveal with one of the running characters here that I thought was pretty silly <laughs> towards the end involving that. <laughs> there's a lot that is silly, but there's a lot that's really good. There's a lot of neat ideas. There's a lot of, like, you know, philosophy 101 ideas. I don't know. It's a real mixed bag of a show, but I will hand it to Garland for, once again, super delivering on a beautiful-looking and sounding product. There's no question that he is excellent 
at that angle of creating things. Regardless, I enjoyed Annihilation very much. I enjoyed Ex Machina very much. And both those were very strong with that. I just felt them being more concise was a big thing. There's something to be said for being given too much time to express your high concept ideas. Yeah, and this is, Legion I, I think Season a very, 2 had that problem. It did indeed. I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 Chekhov's Golden Cube Elevators. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to go into spoilers here real briefly. Like, so the whole reveal, I admit, which I can't believe it didn't occur to me, that Devs was both in real life and in the context of the show, a joke to connect this to Ex Machina because it actually Devs with the Russian V, which is a U, so it's actually Deus. So as in Deus Ex Machina, because really that was, Ex Machina is about the machine and this is about God, like, or at least creating God. And I think that's kind of a funny bit. It's actually one of the most human moments that Nick Offerman has given in the entire run of the show explaining this. I mean, all the stuff with like, I just miss my daughter. It's like, we fucking get it. You built a fucking 300 foot tall statue of her. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that accident kind of wrecked me watching it actually yeah. happen i i i bought him as a character <laughs> sure his motivation was very typical i do really love the the scenes when he's playing when they're all playing together and they have the flowers and he's laying down covered with flowers and then everything disappears the flowers kind of die all over oh him. yeah that was great i think i think visually i mean i think there were some scenes where i'm like i just love, just love the visuals of it like i just love the story like that, that those, those images of him started by the flowers that are slowly dying i thought it was really just brilliant he's really good at expressing himself his ideas visually there's no question about that and he does it quite a few times incredibly well in the show i'd say the end which was sort of you know oh well i guess now you're in the matrix only it's cool okay there was no big reaction to it she was like i mean she kind of had her happy ending but other than that it was very much like it just it just, it just ended as it just began. I think if I cared more about Lily as a character, that whole ending, it would have been a home run for me. But I don't know. Just as a character, like her most interesting choice is when she throws that gun. And it's in episode eight. And also that is something that I felt was never really explained. I'm like, okay, you've told spent the last four episodes explaining how it's impossible not to do anything that you can see through the, the Deus machine. How exactly could that possibly be? Like, I don't believe, I, I never believed that. It's like, if you had watched it and you can't literally say or do anything else other yeah. than that's in there, that's never explained. And it's not, you can't believe it. It's impossible to believe that that's true. And then saying, okay, well, in the show's mythology, it's true. And then she just, it, then it suddenly isn't. I was like, okay. I just kind of threw up my hands. I was like, this just felt like someone just wanted to discuss their ideas, didn't really have a way to wrap it up. My one of my favorite moments, the acting-wise or emotional parts, is um is when Forrest is visiting Katie. It was going to Katie's, when the lecture's like, Katie, when Katie's thing was still a grad student. He gets really angry and then kind of storms off. Mm-hmm. And, and he gives his whole speech and then storms off. And then and then Forrest and her kind of have that moment. And I think that was like, the most emotional and the most real Katie ever felt in that whole. I got the character at that moment. I didn't even know what she, her job was. I didn't know how good she was with this kind of programming stuff. I mean, so I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, she's really fired up in that one scene. And then the rest of the time, she's just kind of vaguely sad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still liked her as a character more than most of the main characters, though. I always felt like the side characters were always far more interesting throughout this entire show. Kenton was awesome. 
well-known character actor playing him. Zach uh, Grenier has been in, you've seen him in a billion things. He's one of those. Yeah, the good fight. guy. The fight, fight club. club. <laughs> I'm like, well, so everybody else seems to represent something. What is, what is His arc just seems there to give Lily more stuff to, to have going on. He's like Mike from Breaking Bad. No half measures. One of you guys said about the ending earlier that you felt like it was giving them a happy ending. And I agree that that's what Garland's intention on the whole is. But I think all that depends on a statement from earlier in either that episode or the previous episode where Nick Offerman's character, Forrest, basically says, well, what is the difference between a simulation and reality? Can you tell me what the actual difference is? Which is very, it's a very popular sort of like discussion in modern sort of tech philosophy circles of like, oh, you know what? We could be, quantum physicists say, it's not outside the realm of possibility. All this is a simulation. There's no way we could tell. Okay, that's fine. It's a cute idea. That is the only way in which that ending is a happy ending. That they're able to go, you know what, he's right. As far as we're concerned, this is real life. Only all the bad shit that happened never happened. Well, if you're an atheist, that would be something really easy to believe, wouldn't it? Like, if, like what's, what's his, what's he is? To believe that there is no soul or the belief that there is no difference between physical beings and our minds. He puts up as if he was going to discuss it further and then he does not. I feel like it's a, a tease of ideas. I'm bringing up concepts for you to think about, but I don't think that answers anything and that makes any sense. Well, the one concept I certainly thought about is, hey, next time you do this, try and stick to less episodes, Alex. Yeah, okay? no, I, I, usually <laughs> I like more episodes, but this time I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. I think it could have been cut by like half or even more than half. I mean, I... I find that when a lot of big film directors go into TV, they don't really understand that like, hey you really need to pace out these episodes like they're their own product. Problem is, is that if you're going to be, if your mission statement is we're here to really make you think about some high level stuff, and then you don't completely deliver on that. You only deliver on the stuff you feel like exploring more and then just bringing up other stuff to, to manipulate the plot to where you need it to be. I found that a little bit trite personally, whereas something like, especially if the show is so slow burn, not much is happening. Then you take something like Legion that's got a bunch of high ideas, but it's like, yeah, but we're just doing this so we can get crazy and have fucking fun. I'm like, yeah, I can forgive that because at least it's never boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I love Legion. was one of my favorite shows. There's almost no humor in the show at all, other than times when I was laughing at it for being a little bit too pedantic. 